I have some good news for you all. If you can imagine in your mind's eye an oval athletics running track and eight athletes herring round in their lanes of their 400 metre race, then we're on that second long bend, not too far off the moment at which the track straightens out into the final sprint to the finishing line. That is, we're about at that point in our sermon series on our vision and values, our vision of what we seek to be as our church family and the values that underlie it, the how we seek to live that out. Our vision, just to refresh your memories, uh, and with slight apologies to those of you who now feel you can recite it off pat, which is the ideal, of course, um, you've heard it uh, many times recently, is that we are one growing community of disciples who seek to love Jesus, one another, our villages and God's world. And our values underlying that vision are that as we follow Jesus, we seek to be prayerful, joyful, hopeful, welcoming, generous and courageous. Over the last three weeks, of course, between Bronwyn, Annie and myself, we've shared something of what it might look like for us as God's gathered people in our villages to be disciples of Jesus Christ who embody firstly generosity, then prayerfulness, and last week Annie spoke to us about hopefulness. And this week I'm building on what we have already, I hope, learned by exploring what it is to be a courageous Christian, to be courageous Christians together. And of course, do remember that you can catch up on previous sermons uh, on the Benefice website, uh, especially uh, valuable, I think, when we have uh, sermon series like this, uh, when it makes good sense to try and get the whole sweep of what we've been sharing across several weeks. So do look up ones that you have missed or ones that you may miss in future of the series as a whole. But my starting point this morning is, however, to share with you a bit of how our Cranmer Group's Benefice Council and Ministry team developed and refined our vision and values, specifically in relation to this morning's value of courageous. When we started developing our benefices, vision and values two and a half years ago, we in fact didn't have uh, being courageous as one of the indicators, if you like, of what following Christ together might look like. After lots of prayerful discussion, we had agreed on the same vision statement and on the same five other values, but a slightly different one in this case, that we should seek to be confident Confident in the word of God that we've received from the Lord in the form of the Bible and confident in the providence of God that he has been faithful to us in the past, that he is so also in the present and that he will be faithful to us in the future as well. A God who gives only good things to those whom he loves and who follow him. But as we approach this revisiting of our vision and values for this sermon series, we decided that we actually wanted to do a slight change to this confident of previously. And that it would be more appropriate for us to say that we seek 
to be courageous as we follow Jesus and share his love with others. The reason for us changing our view on this benefice value, and I know some of you will have heard this before because you were part of the discussions about it, and my apologies that it's going over old ground. Uh, but I think the reason for us changing it is really very instructive about what we mean by being courageous in the context of following Jesus at this time in the places where God has put us in our Cranmer Group villages. This shift in our thinking came from a diocesan course called Leading Evangelism that I and the members, some of you here, of our ministry team attended over several months uh, last year and uh, earlier this year and, and last year it was, um, alongside of other uh, similar groups from a range of different churches and contexts throughout our diocese. And the course was run by an organisation you may have come across called uh, CPAS, uh, and they are in fact the patron of our benefits here, which means that they had a very strong say in my appointment as your vicar. Uh, so just blame them, okay? But CPAS, amongst other things, and they do many, many very good things indeed, they're an extremely valuable resource for those of us in ministry and, and those of us who administer churches. Um, they equip churches and church leaders to deepen their discipleship of Jesus Christ and to have a greater impact in their gospel witness as they minister to their communities, as we minister to our communities. The CPAS course leader on this leading evangelism course, Matt Einson, he said that they had at one stage as an organisation um, had one of their aims as equipping every Christian to be a confident witness. But a short time before the course started, they had been doing some reflecting on this, and they changed that to being every Christian a courageous witness. They felt very strongly that whilst we can all absolutely take confidence from God's word and from his faithfulness to us in our lives, Depending perhaps on our personalities, our circumstances, some of us may not feel that we can in fact be a confident witness to the gospel to others. However, each and every one of us can, they felt, and we uh, agreed with this, often in very different ways and to different degrees, each and every one of us can show courage in the way in which we share the good news of Jesus Christ with others, in word and in deed. So as a consequence of hearing this wisdom from CPAS, we agreed that we too would amend our benefice values of being, uh, value of being confident, to being courageous in the ways we show and share our Christian faith with others. What might, I wonder, that courage look like for us? And how do we see it modelled in scripture, especially in our readings this morning? At times, I think it's all too easy for us, if we're not careful, to fall into a trap of thinking that being a Christian in today's world, with its secularism and consumerism and plenty of other isms as well, are all of them ubiquitous. And so many people around us thinking that Jesus Christ and our faith in him 
simply isn't relevant to their lives and their hopes and their dreams. And so we feel that being a Christian witness in this sort of environment, through the way we live and speaking with others about how knowing Jesus Christ and following him makes such a difference to our lives, we feel that that's very hard. I know very well that it's not easy. There are plenty of aspects of my personal life in which I fall far short of how Jesus calls each one of us to live our lives. And I certainly don't take anything like all the opportunities that I'm offered to speak with boldness to others about Jesus and the difference that he makes in my life and those whom I love. But if we look at Peter and John in our reading from the Acts of the Apostles, from chapter 4, right at the very start of the growth of the early church, from just a handful of personal followers of Jesus, into a movement that changed the world. If we look at that, we can see very clearly, I think, that the level of opposition that they received was of an altogether different order of magnitude from that which we experience. Even without taking into account that all who then lived in the Holy Land did so under the occupation of the brutal Roman army. Peter and John are subjected to false imprisonment at the beginning of our passage by the religious authorities. Uh, we see plenty of other instances in the rest of the Acts of the Apostles where they and their fellow apostles are imprisoned, where they're maltreated, where they are martyred in some cases. Peter and John here, subject to false imprisonment and then hauled before the high priest to account for themselves and the resurrection that they have been proclaiming, the healings that they have been performing in Jesus' name. Firstly, the religious authorities know that in their own words there is a power that they cannot explain or understand that's patently visible in Peter and John, and in their words and in their actions. These very earliest followers of Jesus are absolutely distinctive in the way that they are living their life compared to those around them as they follow Christ. But secondly, when the rulers look at Peter and John, again as Luke, the writer of Acts, tells us, they see very clearly that they are unschooled, ordinary men. There's nothing outwardly exceptional about these apostles who are, an, who are an extraordinary witness to the love and the healing power of Jesus. In fact, the powers that be are even more amazed at how the two men have ministered to those around them, seeing as they uh, are just humble fishermen, they don't have any education that might have made them more eloquent or status in their upbringing that could have made them feel more at home in such rarefied <coughs> social and political surroundings. What they see, rather, is the courage of Peter and John. That impels, or maybe we might even say compels them to act and speak as they do. We, ordinary, if I may say so, in the nicest and kindest possible way uh, to you all, we, ordinary ones as well, as we all are, we can take such comfort and such encouragement 
from Peter and John's example as well. The source of this courage in Peter and John and the source of the same courage for each of us in this day and age too, as Jesus calls us into new areas of ministry perhaps, into new encounters, new conversations, new opportunities to witness. The source of this courage is earlier in the reading, at the start of their interrogation. By what power or what name did you do this, they are asked. And Peter replies that all that they do is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. But most importantly, I think, as he replies, that they are filled with the Holy Spirit, who gives them the courage both to be bold in their words and even to carry out miracles of healing. The very word itself, courage, helps us to understand how we too can embrace this power that God makes available to those who follow Jesus. Its root is in cœur, the French word for heart, that the Normans brought across uh, to us in their language. It's through opening their hearts to the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit in them that Peter and John are able to act with courage. I invite each one of us, each one of you here this morning, to do the same. To open yourself to the presence of the Holy Spirit in your heart. That he will fill you not only with courage, but all the many and varied fruits and gifts of the Holy Spirit that God offers to us all. In our Gospel reading, from Matthew's account of Jesus walking on the waters of the Sea of Galilee. The disciples initially show the absolute opposite of courage. They are terrified. But it's through them listening to the words of Jesus as he approaches them. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. That the disciples' fear dissipates. And again, as Peter, the same Peter, of course, of our passage from Acts, but as yet so early in his journey of faith. As Peter, ever impetuous, wants to run across the water to his master, it's when he lets his eyes be drawn away from Jesus, onto the wind, onto the waves, onto all of the challenges and difficulties of his situation, as opposed to keeping them fixed on the person of Jesus himself. It's then that Peter starts to sink and needs Jesus to intervene to save him from the waters with his hand. If we, like the courageous Peter and John of Acts, as opposed to the, as yet at least, timid Peter of Matthew's Gospel, are to step courageously into the times and places in which Jesus is calling us to share his good news with others, in words and indeed in uh, various ministries that we may uh, feel called to step into in our parishes and elsewhere. If we are to step courageously forward in him, in words and in deed, I suggest that each one of us, following these disciples' example, is called to do three 
spiritual things. First, keep your eyes on Jesus. Second, keep your heart in Jesus. And third, keep your words of Jesus. If each one of us does our bit in this way and keeps on encouraging, think about where that word comes from. If we keep on encouraging each other to do the same, and especially if we see some, someone doing justice and we affirm them in that, if each one of us does our bit in this way, I'm certain that we will all grow in our individual and collective capacity to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to grow in fellowship with one another, to grow in depth of discipleship. Faith is often described as being like a muscle. When we have the courage to place our faith in Jesus, when we take steps of faith in his name, our faith strengthens, our courage grows, they are exercised. And so does the faith and the courage of those grow around us. So it's my prayer this morning that, yes, still with confidence from God's word and from his continual faithfulness to us, we will each share with courage the gospel entrusted to us, with those around us who do not yet know it, and whose hearts and lives cry out for the love and the peace and the joy of Jesus Christ, that we are so privileged and blessed to know in our lives. Be encouraged and be bold. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.